Today's guest is so fun. She is smart and funny and ready to have hard conversations that aim to make us all better people. She's a comedian and an actor, and she lives in Chicago, where she's the co-host of the comedy and politics podcast, Sit Still, Look Opinionated. The show is all about discussing how to have productive conversations around taboo topics and honing our critical thinking skills. It's just a fun way to get informed and talk to people who have different politics than you. I am so excited and honored to welcome Claire Malkey, and I hope you enjoy our conversation today. You're listening to the Half Hippie Podcast with Tara Milo. I'm a half hippie, half princess, cat mom, city girl, introvert, and entrepreneur. I don't fit into a box, and you don't either, but I'm committed to making the world a better place through my lifestyle and my business. I love talking about sustainability because I know that you can make a positive difference without giving up the things you love. Here on the Half Hippie Podcast, we're talking about sustainability and entrepreneurship. We'll share stories about what makes us all half hippie and what our other half does to make a positive impact in the world. Let's go. You have such a cool concept for your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really, um, it's been a really fun journey and it's been, uh, it's been a really great experiment. How did you come up with this idea? So back in 2019, um, I was working in the fitness industry and I was working with a lot of um, young women like myself. And um, at that time, um, Trump was going through his first impeachment and a lot of my coworkers were very much like, oh, I don't really, it's not really, it doesn't really matter to me. Like nothing really is like, you know, this doesn't really affect me at all. And I really saw an opportunity there to bridge the gap between feeling like it affects young people and understanding why being informed is a uh, smart thing to do. And I wanted to find a way that wasn't so like old school, old fashioned way of being informed. Um, and so I was like, oh, what if I make it into, what if I make a comedy podcast that helps people get informed? And in that same vein will help me get informed because I'm going to be having to, um, you know, not only synthesize this information, but then also speak it back with clarity um, and gain trust with listeners. So um, yeah, I, I had the idea and I came up with the name Sit Still Look Opinionated off the play, off the uh, play on words on Sit Still Look Pretty. Yep. And I ran into one of my friends on the uh, subway in, in Chicago and he was like, yeah, what's going on? Like how he, he's also a creator, artist, writer. And um, he was like, yeah, what, what do you have any projects going on? And I was like, oh, well, I have this idea for a podcast. Um, you know, I, I don't really know how I'm going to make it happen, but I'm going to make it happen. And he was like, oh, well, I've really been wanting to get into, um, into audio production and into more writing. So I would love to work with you and I'm next week. And we've been business partners for a little more than a year now. That's awesome. What's it like to have like a partner for your podcast? Because I normally do interviews, but everything else is just me. So how does that work? It's honestly so great. I didn't realize how much 
audio work goes into it, um, especially because we, we like to make it into a show and fr from start to finish, everything very high production quality. And we both have a lot of really big ideas, but it's sometimes interesting to balance all our different skills. So, uh, or for, for my roles in it, I really do more of the social media, any more of the audience engagement, um, any sort of the interfacing roles. And then he handles the um, audio quality, the editing, um, you know, basically I also call him the, edit, the episode director because he kind of, you know, hears the whole arc of the show and will give notes on that sense as well. Um, and then it's also really great because I feel like we have really grown our communication skills. So we're very much able to say, oh, this is something that I think is working. This is something that isn't working. At the end of the day, the work is the most important to us. So we're, we're working to make sure that we can make, make the best product possible. Um, so it really, it really is helpful because he really handles all the editing um, and yeah then I can handle the social media. And so we both use our skills uh, to the best of our ability. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it that you're like, we, it made us better communicators. <laughs> it's a nice way of saying like, we had to argue about things and we had to figure out how to do that. And that's really cool. Yeah. And anytime that you're working with a partner in a creative sense, there's going to be some of that control you have to give up. And I, I am very much someone who likes control. So it's been a good uh, lesson for me to say, okay, how can I say what I want and what's important to me, but also understand that like this project is, is what has someone else's name on it too. And so we have to, um, you know, reconcile any differences that we have. Um, but they're few and far between. We're usually pretty much on the same page. Um, and when, when there is something that we need to communicate on, we you know, we're always quick to handle it because like at the end of the day, I don't want him to say, oh, I don't want to do the podcast anymore. And I think he doesn't want me to say that either. So we, we know what's at stake. So has it helped you talk to those other women in your industry and kind of help let them know that this stuff is important to be educated about and that it makes a difference? Yeah, this last year has been, I mean, obviously we didn't know what 2020 was going to be like when we first started the podcast. We started the podcast in January and the the only thing I knew was that it was an election year and I knew it was going to be a big election. And um, I'm actually originally from Washington, D.C. So I, I feel like I already have a lot more of an awareness around it just because my parents worked in media. My my friend's parents were speechwriters, lobbyists, like every every all the people who basically like actually run this country were the people that i was surrounded with not necessarily so much the politicians but you know all the people that work for them and so when this whole year happened i was getting a lot of um people from different areas of my life reaching out to me being like how do i how do i handle this situation and it felt like you know oh my my mother-in-law i don't quite know how to have a conversation with her or my, my friends are a little bit more conservative. How do I have a conversation with them? And it was so wild to me because I was like, oh, I am, uh, you know, I am on this journey too. I'm just sort of like your mirror. And so people were thinking I was an expert, which was such an honor. And I, I felt very uh, glad that they entrusted me to have those conversations. But I realized I was like, oh, I'm actually having an impact. And like, I need to also practice what I preach. So one of, one of my friends from childhood she reached out to me and about you know something that had been really she'd been struggling with and didn't quite under 
understand like how to approach the people of color in her life and like didn't didn't quite know how to have that strong conversation and so it was really tough for me because I had to kind of meet her where she was and understand what what she wanted to get out of it but also know that she was coming to me and asking for advice basically and I was like okay this is I have a real opportunity to help open someone's eyes and it's it's been very fun but also I feel like I have to choose my words wisely because I mean I I'm a white woman I'm not a I'm not a person of color I'm not a person who has a lot of um uh societal roles placed on me besides like traditional womanhood so I had to be very clear with my friends that I was like I can help you but like I'm not I'm not the person who is going to be validating you or, you know, you have to do that work on your own. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm always here to help. I had an episode on here about diversity and about privilege being a white woman. We just have to talk about those things. And I think it's good that we do it with each other and not burden black women or black people with our guilt and our whatever, like, yeah, yeah we have to do it ourselves. I completely agree. And if you have a person in your life who um, you already have a close existing relationship with and you uh, like feel comfortable with them, if you would feel comfortable calling them saying like, hey, can you walk my dog this week? Like maybe you could approach them and ask if you could have that conversation. But if if someone's your coworker, if someone is someone from high school that you haven't spoken with in years, like that really is on you. And there are so many now with social media, like you could go on Instagram and type in like, like how to be a better ally or even TikTok, like how to be a better ally. And there would be a slew of information, so many books, so many articles. So there's really no lack of knowledge out there. Um, and if you do want a, a primary source, like there are books by like Ibram X. Kendi or, um, you know, so many other writers in American culture who are saying like, this is my experience, read my book, buy my book, you're supporting me. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of avenues. Yep, exactly. So I think I do have some conservative listeners. How do you, like, how can we talk to them about what's actually going on without it feeling political? For example, climate change is not political, but some politicians have made it political. So how do we walk them back to reality <laughs> on that issue? Yeah, some of those bigger issues like mask wearing or even in the in the pandemic like lots of lots of things have become politicized and the best way to engage with someone who maybe believes that these things are politicized is to understand where they are and why they believe those things. Maybe they are against wearing a mask because it means their restaurant can't be open to full capacity so they can't make enough money. So maybe if you if you're having that conversation with someone, putting it in perspective, if we all are able to have herd immunity, if we can just get to a larger group where everyone is safe, then we can have our restaurants and then under putting it in a, a context that they'll get it. So mm -hmm. with climate change, you know, um, for conservative values, like the family is a very strong belief. So if you want to talk about climate change, talk about how it will affect someone's children right. and put it in a, put it in a lens that is like, it doesn't matter who's voting for who, because, you know, the two party system is 
long, it, I, I mean, American politics is a very deep, intricate system, so we don't quite have to get into that. But I care less about, you know, who who said what she said she said in politics, even though I personally, I find entertainment out of it, um, which is a little, you know, another thing about American politics. But with climate change, think about it. How is this going to affect your family? Do you want to have grandchildren? Do you want your grandchildren to see, you know, the Grand Canyon? Do you want them to experience the life you had? So in terms of climate change, we have to build a better earth for, for those structures to keep existing. So I, I try to, you have to meet people where they are and you can't, you know, be like, oh, you have to believe in climate change because, you know, this, 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 and this, that that's just going to feel like someone is putting a wall up against them. So you really have to meet people where they are and find something that values, uh, put it in a, in a way that they will value it. And Mm -hmm. that way you can have a a more open conversation. Yeah, that's true. And that's so half hippie, right? Like you don't have to jump on board and be all in and stop wearing shoes and, you know, all of that, be a hippie, but you can, just be half, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I I love the name of your podcast as well, because I, I refer to myself as a part-time vegan um, as well, because yeah. it's like, I love meat and cheese, but I don't want to eat it all the time. And I was like, okay, well I can just like, you know, a couple of days a week, just cut out meat products. And it's, you know, it's just like part-time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We need more of that. Like just some flexibility, which is what I love about your show and And your mission is like, like you said, meeting people where they are and just being flexible and understanding, like you don't have to be a full vegan to make a difference. You can be a part-time vegan. That makes a big difference, especially for the animals, but like it really does. Yeah, for sure. What do you think of when you think of the word hippie? I, I think of a lot of a different thing. Well, I guess at first, like on, you know, the surface level, I think of like, you know, the sixties, like, you know, peace signs, like that kind of vibe. But when I, when I think a little deeper about it, it really is cultivating a life that is not only like fulfilling for yourself, but also for the world around you and really taking into consideration how others view the world and, that we are all interconnected. And I, that, that's, that interconnection is something that really sticks with me. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think with that definition, we should all be full hippie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's funny because most people start with like the fashion and the Woodstock, but then it is so much deeper into values and things like that when we when we really think about hippies and what they do and what they stand for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's something besides being part-time vegan, but what's something you do that's like totally hippie? Ooh. Um, So I just got into, well, I've, I've been doing it for a while, but it's called tapping uh, EFT. I think it's emotional freedom technique. Yes. Yes. Emotional freedom technique. It basically, I, I, I've really wanted to get into meditation for a while, but I just have a really hard time like sitting still. And I know that's the part, that's the practice that you really get into it, but I didn't find that I was getting the, 
like self-awareness that I wanted out of it. And with tapping you, um, for anyone who doesn't know, you tap different meridian points on your body, which comes from Chinese medicine. And you repeat back for lack of a better word, mantras. And I found that was a much easier way for me to lock into um, that personal growth. Because saying like, I'm choosing that today will be the best day of my life on a, on a Monday or Tuesday. Like that's really powerful to say like today is the best day of my life. And to really hear that back and like remind myself of it. And that's, that's sort of that like radical love that I feel like, you know, hippies also preach too is, you know, it's about loving and accepting and forgiving yourself so that you can love and accept and forgive the other people in your life who, you know, maybe it was your friend in middle school who like, did you dirty or your boss who just doesn't understand like your time constraints. Um, and so that's, that's one of the biggest things that I am most part-time hippie about. <laughs> I like that a lot. I've been doing meditation, but, and I, and I have done EFT. I should probably get into it more. I do a really simple one. If I'm walking somewhere and I'm stressed or if I'm anything and I'm stressed, I just go, um, peace begins with me. And I, touch each fingertip and like kind of pound it in peace begins with me peace begins and it calms me down so much like saying a mantra and also touching some part of your body those meridian points is super helpful yeah and it feels it feels tangible Mm-hmm. Um, in a way to me, which is something that I, I think maybe that's, you know, the deep seated capitalism in me that I need something <laughs> tangible, but, um, I, yeah, I, I enjoy that part. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm connecting with like my, I'm not just, you know, these thoughts, like this is my, these are my temples and this is my forehead. And it's, it's really, uh, magical to me. Yeah. That's very cool. Thanks for telling us about that. What's something you do that's definitely not hippie? Oh, something that's definitely not hippie. Oh, I've been really trying to stop, but I, I buy things on Amazon and it's, it's definitely not hippie at all. But <laughs> like, I, I, I just bought these roller skates that I ordered them from Impala skates. Like I bought them from the website. I ordered them like directly, didn't go through third party or anything, but then finding knee pads and elbow pads for an adult was so difficult that weren't like and here's the thing is like, I'm sure the ones that are $65 are really good, but I was yeah. like for, for knee pads and elbow pads, I was like, okay. And so I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to order these ones on Amazon that can come in two days. And mm-hmm. I, I know it's like a really bad company and like, you know, Jeff Bezos is not someone who I want to be giving my money to, but sometimes that like that price and time is just too good to pass up. So I know that's something that's really like not hippie whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, but roller skating is totally hippie. So you're kind of balancing it out. But yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Amazon. Yeah. You know, what's funny is here in Portugal, um, I try, I can't buy things online because I don't trust the mail. And it's not because I'm a crazy hippie. It's because I don't get stuff when I order it online. Living in a place where you don't trust the mail and it never really gets delivered has released me from Amazon because it's not worth all the stress. <laughs> ah, especially Amazon has all of their like, oh, we guarantee this, this and this. And then if it's not even going to come anyway, that's that's a really good way to yeah, be like, I, I release you from my from my 
pool that I buy things from. <laughs> yes. I just can't do online shopping. Everyone else in the world can do it, but n- not me because I just never get my stuff. <laughs> oh, that stinks that you ever get it, but maybe probably a good thing too because <laughs> online shopping, it's it's a vice, especially during the pandemic. I have yes. online shopping. I don't really like online shopping. Like I don't like buying clothes online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and shoes, I'm a little more open to buying online, but I bought like, I bought like a, um, essential oil diffuser and like, I bought these roller skates and I bought like some cool lights and I'm just like, I don't, I don't really need any of this stuff, but um, it's, it makes me feel good for the moment. Yeah. I think sometimes we need things because they make us feel good. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that's, it's just as important. So Yeah. 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 But Amazon is, is another one I've heard from other people too. Like, ah, Amazon or ordering food and yeah, the pandemic has been tough on hippies and the planet. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really hard. It's been, and I feel so bad too. Cause I get all these boxes and I'm like, I recycle them, but I'm like, I, I, I don't really, I've worked in the service industry enough to know that, yep, it's in recycling yeah. and that they just throw it wherever. So I, I want to believe that they're being recycled, but at the same time, I, I would personally rather use like a reusable grocery bag. You mentioned talking with people about how to have productive conversations around taboo topics Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the tactics we've uncovered on how to hone critical thinking skills. Let's talk about that. Critical thinking is a really it's, it's a a skill that really needs, um, to be worked on. If you're going to take on critical thinking, it might uncover some things that are really difficult. And like, I want everyone to know that like critical thinking is very important, but if you're not maybe emotionally ready to have your world shaken up, uh, like just, just take that with a grain of salt. Like it's very much like Orpheus and Neo in the matrix, because like, once you like, see the world, it's very hard to unsee it. And so with critical thinking, a great way to start is just asking why. And like in any sort of literature, social media, blogs, websites, any anything that you're reading, just think about the why. Or even like, I love to look at companies' mission statements and look at what, what are they actually saying? You know, if they're committed to diversity and inclusion, what are, what are they, what are the steps they're taking to say, to, to say, are they actively hiring, um, you know, people of color or, um, you know, underrepresented groups? Are they donating money? Do they have a, I, I just recently um, <laughs> applied for some jobs. So I was looking at a lot of companies, um, nice. but what are their, what are their, um, you know, do they have a, a cash match donation program? Like, what are these whys? Mm-hmm. And so once you start uncovering the why, why the world is that way, then you, you I, I like to look back at history. So in terms of like the, the reckoning that's been happening in America, this is all cyclical. And that is what really history is. If you look at it from literally ancient Rome and ancient Greece, like these things are all cyclical. And, um, you know, there's, there's always some sort of, power struggle and a group that has power and a group that's oppressed. And so really understanding why that happened in that time period, what's happening in this time period, but starting starting reading and really understanding 
the is is the world the way the, the world that's around us how have i contributed to it um maybe unknowingly and what are some rules like society rules and why were those put in place um mm-hmm. and really uncovering that why can be really scary and really um like i was talking to some of my my friends um you know not professionally at all just about um you know the concept of uh when you move in with a partner you know sleeping in the same bed with them and i was I, it's so funny to me because i'm like your whole life you're raised to be in a bed by yourself. So then all of a sudden you have to be with two, you have to share a bed with someone, uh, you know, for the rest of your life. And um, my, my other friend was like, yeah, that's just like completely made up. Like that's just, you know, a made up rule. And that's, that's sort of part of it is realizing that like, oh, we as humans like created this society. So there is agency for us to say, you know, that doesn't really work for me um, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Like if it's, you know, the traditional, you know, get married, move to the suburbs, do that. Like there, there's a lot of hard decisions that have to be made in your life about what matters to you. Um, but fostering that critical thinking really starts with a why. I think so too. And I also like to wonder what someone's motivation is for telling the story they're telling. So it's like the why, but like related to climate change, what's the motivation behind someone denying climate change? It's probably so they can sell more oil or sell you plastic or sell you something. And the motivation behind believing in climate change is to protect the planet and the animals and the people who live here. And I don't know, I really like to think about the motivation. Why does someone tell you the story that they tell you the why? the motive, yeah, the motivation is a really great part of it too. And understanding um, that, that just made me think about intersectionality and understanding that, you know, climate change and being a feminist actually have a lot more in common and like being an ally for um, the LGBTQIA community also does help climate change as well. And that that's another part of it too, that realizing, and that's something we were touching on earlier is the interconnectedness of all of it. Uh, so yeah, really understanding a motivation is, is a big key part about critical thinking as well. Yeah. I love how sensitive in you are and you're so like considerate of other people. That's really very beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I try really hard because, you know, through, throughout my life, I have always, it's been really easy to put to put myself in other people's shoes, mm-hmm. um, and just like hear their stories. But I, I've recently been working in the comedy industry where you have to, you know, it, it's about making jokes. And my mission in comedy is to not laugh at anyone else's expense. And yeah. like in, in the modern comedy world, that's a very tough thing to do. And, but especially being a woman in comedy where many jokes are about women. And I'm like, I don't, that's not funny to me. And so like, I imagine myself being someone else and that being the butt of a joke. And it's like, that's not funny to me. And so I, I would rather just have a joke that everyone could laugh at because it's actually a funny joke and it's not at someone else's expense. Yes, exactly. I love comedy so much. So in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, I probably before you were born, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would stay up all night watching stand-up comedy and just laughing my head off. And my mom would come down and she's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" I'm like, "This is hilarious!" And she, 
anyway, it was so funny. And growing up with that, I have a real low bar. Like I think most things are funny, but I love how comedy is changing to be a lot more sensitive to people and not make another person or a group of people the butt of the joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a tricky line, but I think comedy is getting so much better because of that. You've got like the good place and different shows and different writers who are making really, really good comedy, but not at someone's expense, which is hard to do, but it's much better. Yeah. And, and I have been seeing a lot more in the stand-up comedy world that, I mean, it's still dominated by white men. I think it yeah. will be for a long time, but you know, I see other, um, I can't name many off the top of my head, but other performers, other stand-ups that aren't white men that are people of color, women of color, trans, like not, uh, you know, not up to a Western standard of beauty, like, and seeing comedy from those from other people's narratives is going to just introduce other comedy because those people, unless they're saying like me, I'm the butt of my own joke. Like that's, that's fine. If you're saying I self-deprecating type of humor, but it's yeah. not like, Oh, this ugly person, their butt of their joke. Like that's, I think that'll also shift comedy as well because of when we bring more people into the narrative, into the picture, the comedy will just get better and it'll be a little more inclusive. Yes, exactly. And I don't think anyone could argue that Dave Chappelle is not the most genius person. Like, oh. he's incredible. Yeah. And Tiffany Haddish, she's so fun. I love her so much. I don't know. I think comedy is really fun and really important. And it's incredible and really cool that you're using it to teach people to be more critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. I think everyone should listen to your show. Just give it a shot, right? Like open-mindedness and... <laughs> Yeah, we really try to invite everyone to listen, even though like our our jokes, like we, we are more of a, a liberal show, um, but we, you know, we invite everyone to listen and I'm always willing to like have a conversation with someone. Like if someone wants to have a conversation with me, that means they're coming to the table to chat and I'm like, I want to meet you where you are. Yep. If someone is berating me or, you know, sending me rude DMs, I'm not going to engage in that. But if someone is genuinely like, I want to understand your point of view, I'm happy to do that because I want to understand their, their point of view as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you give me hope. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I, I try. I try. It's, it's, it's definitely difficult. Like, um, I had a writing teacher back at the beginning of January when like, the insurrection happened, um, which was like also doubly scary for me because like I, I have family and friends like yes. in this area. So it was very intense. I was, I was calling, I knew my parents were far enough out that they were fine, but like my best friend like lives like, you know, she doesn't live near downtown, but she lives in DC proper. And so I was like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, but my, my comedy teacher told us like, I was having a really hard time, like writing jokes and like trying to be yeah. funny. And he was like, as a comedian, that was a, um, a late night style writing class. So it was for late night. And he was like, as a comedian, that's, these things are going to happen and you have to figure out a way to still make people laugh and like still say like, this isn't the end of the world, even if it might feel like the end of the world, because you're the comedian, not them. Yeah. Um, yep. which was really, was really beautiful. And a little bit of like solace that I keep with me because I'm like, okay, I, I have to, I have to do this for other people. Like other people want, want to be, want to be, want to laugh. Yep, exactly. That's so true. Are you optimistic about 
the future of the world and I mean, specifically climate change, but of other things as well? When it, when it comes to climate change, I, and when it comes to the state of affairs with the world, I, I sometimes get a little um, doom spirally, um, mm-hmm. especially when I think about like, when I see a lot of trash piling up in, and I, I live in a city, so there's, there's litter and like, I see people, you know, I used to work in the fitness industry. So people would always have, you know, their plastic water bottles. And I was like, it's so we have water fountain, like it's so easy. And I get really, and I do get really nervous and scared, but then if I'm able to have a conversation with one person or maybe say, uh, my partner, for example, um, they always would use, um, paper, paper bags to go to the grocery store because we, we don't live together. And so they would be like, Oh, well, I'm just gonna use paper bags. I'm going to go back to my house. And I was like, well, I, I asked them, I was like, well, if, can you use a, just a recyclable bag? Like you can borrow them. I, I'll see you again. So, <laughs> and, and they were like, Oh, this is really important to you. If I use these bags instead of paper ones. And I was like, yeah. And it's just a little thing. And so now I know he's more willing to do that. Cause it's, it's important to me. Yeah. Um, so things like that give me hope and, you know, you can't have, you, you can't, you know, make every single person do that. But like, that made me feel really good that he was like, Oh, it's actually a little thing I can do. That's a little thing for the planet that also makes my partner happy. Yeah. Um, so I try to hold moments like that when I feel like no one cares. Cause I'm like, okay, I, I was able to get through to one person who's really important to me. So hopefully I can help other people, um, find, find ways to, to, to have it matter to them. Um, so I, I think I am hopeful. Good. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's very sweet. I love it when people do things like that and when we can communicate that and say, can you help me with this? I need your support in this area. And then they do it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really, it's really special. And, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's ways like communicating that. And it's, it was just a little thing too. And I, I would always have my bags and, you know, have my reusable ones, but if I'm not actually saying like, Hey, it actually would mean a lot to me if you would use this canvas bag instead of this paper one, Yeah, like they, they weren't never going to realize that I wanted them to do that if I didn't tell them. Yep. And they probably think that's adorable. Like I try to be the weirdest person. Like I went to the market the other day and I brought my bags, I bought focaccia from this vendor Mm -hmm. and the bags are really nice that he puts the focaccia in and you can't really use a reusable bag because it's so greasy and oily and delicious. And so I brought that bag back and I think he thought that was adorable that I brought the bags back. He's like, wow, really? That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And I think people like that. They find it charming when we do weird things. Like it's important for me to use or that you use a reusable bag. Like I think your partner finds that adorable. So (laughs) (laughs) well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Do you have any questions for me? What is, what's something that makes like you happy? Well, I am vegan-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my like hippie thing. Something I wish I was doing better, a little more hippie was I wish I was composting because oh God, yeah, I go through so much produce and I put it in the trash and it like, I really should be composting. I only have an apartment, so I'm using that as an excuse. I don't have a backyard, but I need to get on it. 
Yep. Yeah, yep. I want to get into composting as well, but, and there's a couple of delivery services in Chicago, but it's, it's another, it's just like another yeah. thing, like another monthly thing, which I'm like, this would probably help the planet. I probably don't need my Amazon prime subscription, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you do are. need that. You do need that. Um, yeah. there's probably something else. <laughs> um, how's it been living in Portugal through, through this last year? Oh, it's been really nice actually because we didn't have all the drama that you guys had with the masking and the questioning I feel like people really take care of each other here so even a couple of days before lockdown you could feel people just going home they're like I'm just gonna stay inside and protect everybody and we kept our numbers pretty low because people just Mm -hmm stayed inside and anytime you go outside you wear a mask and yeah we don't have the drama about it we did have a big spike after christmas and then they locked us down hard we've been in that lockdown for almost two months and we're coming Mm -hmm. out of it again but it just feels very considerate here um the one thing that's really really hard for me is seeing the city be so quiet like there's no tourists there's nothing that was really heartbreaking and stressful and hard for me to go outside. At the beginning, you probably have the same thing. Like Chicago has an energy. Lisbon has an energy. And when that energy isn't there, it's, ugh, it was really, really hard for me. I'm like choking up right now thinking about it. Cause it, yeah, the city is so yeah. special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Chicago, I feel the same way too. It's, it is hard when you're, the vibrancy is and, the, and then it feels a little detached because I'm like, oh, are we just like living on this piece of land that, mm-hmm. you know, is it, it has I, I feel like I have a lot of uh, like guilt, too, about being a white person in America. And, and I know that's something I have to work on. But I'm like, I didn't I didn't choose to come here. Like I didn't colonize Chicago like that wasn't <laughs> my fault. So like I have to release that. But. Um, it is really hard when you're just like on a piece of land that I'm like, I, the city is not what it, what it is in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I have a little bit of that being an expat. And that, that's, I, that's so interesting something you said too, about people just feel a little bit more considerate because in America, like people are so individualistic and I think it's just ingrained in us. And like, I don't think that's anyone's like fault necessarily that they are, but, um, it's something that I wish our society was a little bit more like let's just all take care of each other. Like, it's fine if you don't want the government to, you know, control your business. I totally get that. But like, can we just like care about each other a little bit? Yeah, exactly. I don't rely on the government to do anything for me. Like they're not going to. So I'm here to take care of myself and other people and that, yeah, they can do what they want, but I'm going to do my very best regardless of what they do. Well, this was super fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate um, the invite to come on your show. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, that was fun. Everybody should go listen to Sit Still, Look Opinionated. Really fun comedy show about politics. I like it. Well, she is so sweet. I love Claire's compassionate and really smart approach to having difficult conversations with people and diving into critical thinking. It's so important for us all. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation and I really hope you check out her podcast. It's called Sit Still, Look Opinionated. It is very smart and funny and clever and really well done. So 
Good for her. I hope you enjoyed this. Go check out her podcast and of course, follow Half Hippie Podcast on Instagram. I'll be sharing some fun resources and other ideas with you throughout the week. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you soon.